0: Have you thought about scaling your business up from one location to two or two to three? Well, my next guest has scaled his business from one to 44 different locations. You're going to want to hear this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Berg, speaker, author, sales trainer, website reviewer, here to help you in your wedding and event business sell more, profit more, and have more fun doing it. Enjoy this episode. Today, for one of my special dialogue episodes, I have a very good friend, Bill Zaruka from Wedgwood Weddings. Hey, Bill.
1: Hello. How are you doing,
0: Alan? Uh, I'm doing great. And For this uh, series that I have on scaling your business, I immediately thought of you because you and I have been working together since I think it's 2011 or 2012. And your business has grown, uh, my business has grown, but your business has grown in a way different way there. So um, just uh, tell everybody just real quick, what is Wedgwood Weddings?
1: Oh, Wedgwood Weddings is a um, a family owned and operated um, wedding event business. Uh, We have up to now, forty-four venues uh, across. We started in Southern California with my mom and dad, and we have a number of uh, venues in California, but also um, some good amount of facilities in Arizona, Colorado, and then a few are outside um, of those states. And uh, kind of specialize in, you know, not only the venue, but we do the food, beverage, and you know, all-inclusive packages. So we have a, a fairly turnkey solution for our couples.
0: Now, so your your dad started the business uh, thirty five years ago. Uh, again, I've been working with you since twenty eleven. Uh, you had one venue back then. You had twelve, I think, when we started uh, working together. Where did uh, in that thirty five years? When did you go from one to multiple? Was that thirty four years ago? Or
1: sure, yeah. No, I mean, I think for for many years, and when I was growing up, this was this was a single unit, you know, standard kind of small business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with just our our location on the Buena Ventura Golf Course out in Ventura, California, and you know, my dad kind of ran the operations side and the finance side of the business. My mom sold weddings, and on the weekends uh, they made me wash dishes and, and and my sister clear plates. So, you know, th- this was up until about two thousand two. Uh, you know, for for better part of almost twenty years, just just a one location business, and then. You know, my father felt like, you know, we had something successful that we could bring, you know, to two other locations. And we were able to, you know, get the opportunity to to try that same family business model on a few other locations back in uh, 2002.
0: So 2002. So for many, many years, much like so many people who are probably listening, one venue, one location, working it, you know, doing everything, like you said, washing dishes and (laughs) clearing plates and stuff like that. When you went to the second and third venue, did each one have its own identity? Or did you already have this concept of we are a company and we're going to, we're going to have this umbrella under which all of these are, and we're going to tell people about that umbrella name?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I mean, we, we, the the second and third facilities came at the same time and they were um, similar golf course locations that had, you know, a, a regular dining element for the golfers, but also a nice banquet room overlooking the golf course. But they were physically much different and in different, you know, geo markets. And so the, you know, whereas, you know, they weren't ground up the exact same physical space that were built the identically, you know, the way like a franchise restaurant might be, you know, they were, they were unique in terms of the way they looked, but um, we did decide, and we weren't sure whether we were going to make them like each its own boutique location or kind of all name them the same and, and operate in a similar manner. And we decided the easiest way to kind of start this uh, venture outside of the one location was to, you know, make sure that the nuts and bolts of the operation were the same in terms of, you know, our positions, our organizational chart, our um, menus, the packages, you know, our general price points, you know, we tried to keep that all fairly similar.
0: Were they they geographically close to one another?
1: Not really. You know, we had Ventura, California. These next two were in Northern California, but one was in, in the uh, San Francisco Peninsula, and one was, you know, a good hour north of San Francisco, and, oh, wow. you know, from a kind of, if you looked at the, the demographic, they were much different, and so that we did get a lot of, oh, well, we're different here in San Francisco <laughs> than, um, you know, Ventura, or, you know, the Sonoma County is different than the Peninsula, and those sorts of things, and, right. you know, we need different food, or we need a different wine list, and we decided just to kind of, Keep it the same for now and just let's just see how it works rather than start to have multiple different concepts which makes it more challenging to manage
0: so it's the same menu everywhere, same wine, same everything prices are different based upon location
1: yeah so I mean we have some regional differences, but you know for the most part the packages are the same the menus are the same I mean we may have the same 10 items and then you are able to do one or two things differently in Texas than you would in New Hampshire or, or Colorado okay. but yeah you're looking at the general packages, product offering, you know, liquor list, um, right. is the same, you know, certainly you may have a, a local IPA in Boulder, Colorado, that's different than a, than an IPA in San Diego, sure. but, but in general, conceptually, everything is as is, is standardized as we can get. With and and for
0: food. menus, you know, I always tell people for menus, the crazy thing is couples spend all this time planning their menus and two people plan the menu for the other 140 that are going to come. And the two people that planned the menu are the two least likely to eat that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, menus. I mean, it, there's a lot of opinions out there about how custom do you make your menus, and mm-hmm. you know, we felt like we want to do the the most traditional, uh, you know, wedding and event food, and, and just do it really, really well, yeah, and and execute it perfectly because many times we're at an event and they may have a nice fancy menu, but it takes three hours to serve, and the and the hot food is cold, and so right you know, we focused on execution, um, of, of kind of great center of the plate items. Yeah,
0: Right. And I also noticed since we've been working together, uh, remember when we, I started with you, you had five packages. I kept telling you it's too many, you had five packages. Uh, and now you're down to three packages with an a la carte option. Um, and so those three packages, if I'm not mistaken, the middle one, and even the top one get chosen more than the bottom. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we started with um three packages and no one was buying the top one, so that we added two more and everyone <laughs> kind of shifted up. But then five got to be a little bit too much, a little bit too confusing and we kind of narrowed down our scope of what we were offering and we have a la carte and then yeah, three other packages and it depends on um you know, as you get into the higher packages there's a lot more, you know, hosted alcohol and some of that. So, based on the um you know, demographic of the specific town we're in, we may get people with higher budgets that want to host those. But right. yeah, typically it's it's um, it's the top two that are getting purchased a lot more. And those are the ones that are mo- most inclusive that includes you know, cake, flowers, you know, and some right. other ancillary decor services.
0: And what about the a la carte? It, it, I, are anybody going for a la carte?
1: You know, honestly, I don't know if it's because we're kind of known for all-inclusive packages or, or not, but it's, it's under 3% across the company wow. picking a la carte package. And, you know, it sounds kind of really great. And everyone wants to have this customized wedding and and, and a package allows people to still do that. It doesn't tell you exactly what your centerpiece is. It doesn't tell you exactly what your DJ is going to play. It just simply, you know, offers that service. And then you customize that service within the package. And I think once the consumer realizes that they don't have to go through the legwork of choosing all of these vendors and, and going to appointment after appointment after appointment for every weekend of their engagement, um, mm-hmm. it starts to become a lot more attractive for sure.
0: And so uh, I've, I've met with some of your vendors cause I've, I've been with you guys. I remember having dinner with, with your florist and so they get a credit with the florist. You don't, you're, you don't own the flower company. You don't own the DJ company, right? But
1: yeah. You know, I mean, there are uh, elements of stuff that we do in house. There are mm-hmm. some DJs and photographers that are actually ours and on our payroll and oh great. Um, and then there's the combination of certain crafts are a little bit more challenging. Floral is one of them. And, and we um, we've had a tough time bringing any of that stuff in house. And so, yeah, we work with, we work with the professionals in the local area that are, that are experts. And, and we have yeah, subcontracted deals with them and it's um, it's been really mutually beneficial as, as we've grown, they've grown and, and we kind of work together and it's, right. it's, they're an extension of our brand and our family.
0: Right, and that florist told me that people can upgrade from what they get with the package, and many of them do um, because it, it, they feel like they've kind of already paid for this other stuff. So I'm only paying the difference here, and it feels like a good deal for them. So the idea of the packages you did right from the get go, I love the standardization. You know, do it, do what you can do really well, execute it really well. You do have flexibility within those packages there. What about back office? How much of you have 44 venues now around the country? How much of what would be done at a venue is done remotely in, I'll call it the back office.
1: Yeah, I, I, a lot. I mean, all of the accounting functions, all of the, you know, kind of as much administrative as we could push into a back office with people mm-hmm. that are professional and keep our people on property focused on the customer experience and right. maintaining the facility as possible. So, you know, some of our repairs and maintenance and kind of some of our facility management is, is back office, all of our accounting, all of our, human resource functions with the exception of, of, of hiring. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: what about sales? How, how, is, how is sales handled?
1: Sales, I mean, for the most part, sales is an on-property, human-to-human experience. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our marketing is all centralized. You know, advertising and drive, driving leads, for the most part, can be a, can be a centralized back office uh, function mm-hmm. that someone can handle across across multiple geographies. You know we're unique. We have a um, all of our leads come into a call center. Okay. So you know they all all of our initial leads come into people who are fielding those calls and then setting appointments for our sales team on on site and then from there it's handed off to the individual location so that they can work hand in hand with the customer to find out exactly uh, what they're looking for and how we can meet their needs and ultimately book
0: book their event. So at what point? Because again, you didn't you did this way before forty four venues. At what point did you say you know we need to bring this into a centralized call center instead of each individual venue handling their yeah. own inbounds?
1: Yeah, we probably did that before we needed to, and that was a really intelligent decision. You know, back when my when my father was involved in a lot of the day to day operations, this was you know one of his brainchilds coming from the hotel world where mm-hmm. a lot of the centralized um, reservation systems you know existed, and you know quite frankly, we saw when we call our properties just to check in, you know. They wouldn't answer the phone right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, we, we knew why they weren't answering the phone right they were in an appointment they were coordinating a wedding they were in the banquet room they were out you know you yeah. know fluffing a dress whatever it may be they were busy right. and so but customers were calling and going to voicemail and maybe getting a call back the next day and we felt like that wasn't um that wasn't the best experience i think we were at about nine locations when we started okay. to centralize that.
0: Yeah. And again, probably, like you said, maybe a little before you actually needed to, but you were ready for that when you needed to. I was talking to a client uh, just yesterday. It's a rental company. And the same thing, you know, they're inbound leads. There's so many inbound leads. They don't have time to do anything else. So, you know, follow ups and stuff like that. You know, knock wood, they're so busy that if they're not following up, they're still busy. I said, yeah, but how much money are we leaving on the table? (laughs) Because we're not following up the way that they should. Yeah, So a lot of the stuff centralized but but each property still has its own like you said advertising was centralized in terms of the buying but you're advertising each property in its market as its own property right
1: yes absolutely yeah i mean okay. you might be clustering a, an advertising deal but you know each each facility is unique geographically they're unique aesthetically and and sometimes you know you you hit it off with person a or person b when you're going to an appointment and that sometimes happens within our brand where they they're shopping two locations that are 30 minutes away and the difference is, is they just hit it off with you know one person over another and that's what ultimately made right. their decision to choose but yeah they're all they're all being um sold and advertised individually
0: so you are competing against yourself in some markets right yep.
1: absolutely yeah Which is- our sales team that's always been, oh these guys got mine they have a lot of visibility to when they lose a sale to one of their peers. So that's often a conversation.
0: Right, which big picture is you still got the sale, but you know, you like that little there. So what are some people who are listening in here, what are some of the pitfalls or some of the things that they should think about if they're looking to go even from one to two locations? It doesn't have to be a venue. They could be a photographer, a DJ or whatever. What are some of the growth things that you've learned Do you look back, you know, the I wish I knew then's? Yeah.
1: Well, I think certainly when you have one location, you have your arms around the entire business. You know, when you're there every day and you're seeing the employees, you know who's good and who's not, who's showing up to work. And and then you know what the customer experience is like. You know that the food is hot and it came out on time and the bar, there wasn't a long wait and all the cash was going into the register. It's just a different experience. As you scale up, you have to have systems and controls and processes and procedures in place because you can't be there just to kind of monitor everything all the time. And then, and then you've got to have great people. You've got to have people that are as passionate and as um, into things and as, as uh, intelligent and all in as, as you are. And, and then you have to trust them. You have to trust them to run the business. You have to give them the tools and then let them go. And when they're successful, you've got to reward them like they're an owner. Um, you know, They've got to feel that they have some skin in the game.
0: Have you had any uh, what are your experiences with promoting people from within? because I know we always hear about you know sometimes you promote someone and they were really good at one job, you put them into another job and maybe that's not their strong yeah. suit
1: Yeah, I mean the majority of our leadership is is promoted from within okay. um, you know there's a level of trust, there's a level of understanding of what they're able to do uh, there's cultural buy-in, etc but but on occasion you get someone who you know maybe moves from a sales role and they're really good with the customer and they sell a lot and then you move them into a general manager role where they have to deal you know with some different um, elements of skill set whether it's dealing with people issues and leadership and, and discipline or some of the financials and and running a profit and loss statement but there's sometimes some some gap within that and we've done some stuff to maybe better prepare certain people for for that transition and then we found you know, we kind of are better understanding who's able to make that leap from a, a skill set and kind of a personality, and who's not.
0: Right. And you, and you've had a lot more experience now that you're at 44 venues, but you have a lot of people that have been with you for a long time. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at you know our the, our senior level people and the VPs and our regional managers, um, you know, most are, are 10 years plus. I mean, they've they've grown with the business and 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 yeah. you know, very little turnover from our general manager and above. Yeah position. is for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The front line is you're going to have more of that for sure. So what's the future for Wedgwood Weddings?
1: Well, gosh, I mean, I think, you know, I think like many people listening today, it's, it's, it's recovery from the pandemic. (laughs) Um, you know, I think all of us, no matter where we were located, you know, our industry, you know, took a big hit and, you know, us being majority uh, located in California took an even bigger hit based on some of the restrictions out here. So we got to recover from the pandemic. And I think, but you know we're committed to continuing to grow our our brand. We think that um, we've got a great company and we've got great people and we've got uh, leaders and people who want to grow and take on more and do more opportunity. And I think we we feel from a customer perspective that our, our product offering between our facilities and our packages and our stress free experience and and the price points that we offer is it's a great it's a great service to the customer and to the client and these couples who are. Um, not super experienced in purchasing a wedding and planning a wedding. And so we think we we, uh, we provide a great service for them. So, you know, we're passionate about taking care of our customers and allowing, giving opportunity for our employees to grow. And, and so I think we're going to continue to do that, um, you know, in, in the future. And I'm excited about that.
0: So is there a target number of venues for Wedgwood or is it opportunity-based?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think we have, we don't sit back and have any targets i mean some sometimes we'll you know through um just circumstance we'll add five six seven eight venues in in a six to month period and then we may go a year and not add anything and so i think if the opportunity is right and and um then then we absolutely consider it and certainly i think we'd like to grow into the into um kind of this the southeast next we're kind of in the west maybe up to the pacific northwest and to the southeast that's probably the most logical areas but you know we don't really necessarily have a target i mean maybe if we get a little bit larger we'll start to you know be like one of the bigger organizations <laughs> that um just kind of has this machine going that's just you know right. but you know we still feel like and and, and many people may not not relate because you know we have 40 plus units but we still feel like a family business and yeah and so there's there's um the uh growth machine isn't um it's <laughs> been in full tilt i guess
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I've been working with you guys for almost 10 years and it still has that same feel when you had 12 venues as it does now, because it's the same people I think as well. And you do get to get get along so well there. So um, final words for anybody listening in terms of scaling their business, uh, because a lot of people are thinking, you know, I don't want to scare them. I I, want to encourage them. Certainly it's, you get the rewards, but you have to put in the, the work and the time. So any final thoughts that somebody looking to they're looking to grow their business that what should they be focusing on?
1: Well, I think that I would take it slow at first. Absolutely. You don't want to extend yourself. That one to two and two to three is a big jump, is okay. a big jump. And, and so don't overextend yourself. I think the second thing is try to keep as many things the same across all of your units as possible. It just makes it a hundred times easier to manage, to train, to move people across different properties, to compare financials to to all of these things to analyze and scale your business, the more that can be the same, the better. It doesn't mean that you're gonna be giving a customer a wedding in a box, there's still flexibility there, but as much as you can keep similar, the better.
0: And I think that's really the, the lesson is because of what you've done standardized, you know, people told you, no, the menus have to be different. They don't. They told you the packages have to be different. They don't, right? You still have that flexibility within there. So I think that's great. So what I think you just described is you have what? Four kids, right?
1: I do, yes, Right,
0: so going from the first kid to the second kid is a big change. Mm-hmm. Second to the third, less of a change, and the third to the fourth, like almost yeah, no doubt. change. No there doubt. There you go. Yeah, so it's the same. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with the venues. Okay, terrific. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I will put into the show notes a link to Wedgwood Weddings if anybody wants to go check out the uh, check out your site, see all your properties that you have over there. You have beautiful site, beautiful properties. Bill, thank you for being a friend. Thank you so much for joining me here today.
1: Alan, thanks for your time, and and I uh, really appreciate it.